think it will be uh, somewhat of, uh, of a unique message uh, this morning um, as far as what you're, what you're actually used to. Um, uh, we tend to walk straight through the Bible. You know we've been in Luke. We're no longer in Luke. You had a guest preacher last week while I spent the weekend with about 350 people on the side of a mountain uh, at the Edge Conference. It was more than we could have hoped for at our new location, and the kids were awesome. I met with the adults who went with them today, and they genuinely had nothing bad to say. They were actually, uh, the words were, we kind of felt guilty because the kids were where they said they were going to be, when they said they were going to be there. They did exactly, for the most part, what they were supposed to do, and that was awesome. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for parents who, who help um, pour into them as we say, this is what is expected and that is always helpful. So thankful for that. In this season though, we've taken a break from Luke. All right, we're gonna get back into Luke in just a few weeks and that'll take us to Easter and that'll be about the end of that. Um, but we, we've taken a break and today, today is the launch day of our spring semester of small groups. We have taken the teenagers to the edge and we are uh, relaunching how we do student ministry. Our kids are back in action and we have new workers and new leaders and and new Bible studies and our kids are, are growing and we see them reaching out and we have a, a, a child who I, I think Super Bowl Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, we're gonna party on a football day and have us a baptism as well. So if anybody else in the room has been thinking about giving their life to the Lord or celebrating with believers baptism, Isaiah, am I right about that? Super Bowl Sunday, we're gonna have a baptism. So what an exciting thing to look forward to and uh, we'll break heaven wide open that day and that'll be awesome. But I have, I have felt the urge to get back to some very, very basic things, very basic things, because if we lose sight of some of the basic things, then, then we failed. And I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but we failed. And there may be a challenge today and some of you may think to yourself, man, I failed. Well, if you do, then we got it right. We didn't get it wrong, we got it right. But the real question is, if you realize that you're failing, will you continue to go on failing or will you change it? Will you choose to change it? Will you ask God to help you change it? So as we focus on some of these things, serving, giving, um, reaching out, um, um, all the things that are some of the basics of what makes a church work. I just want to look at a few passages and a few calls today. But first, a story. On a dangerous sea coast where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a little life-saving station. The building, primitive, just one boat, but the members of the life-saving station were committed and kept a constant watch over the sea. When a ship went down, they unselfishly went out day or night to save those lost in the storm. Because so many lives were saved by the station, it became quite famous. Consequently, many people wanted to be associated with the station to give their time, their talent, and their money, interesting, to support its important work. New boats were bought, new crews were recruited, 
A formal training session was offered. As the membership in the Life Saving Station grew, some of the members became unhappy because the building was so primitive and the equipment so outdated. They wanted a better place to welcome the survivors pulled from the sea. So they replaced their emergency cots with beds, put better furniture in the enlarged and newly decorated building. Now, the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for members. They met regularly, and when they did, it was apparent how much they loved one another. They greeted one another, hugged one another, shared with one another the events that had been going on in their lives. But fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving mission, so they hired lifeboat crews to do the work for them. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews went out and brought into the life-saving station boatloads of cold, wet, dirty, sick, half-drowned people. Some of them had dark skin. Some of them had light skin. Some of them had yellow skin. Some of them could speak English. Some could hardly speak at all. Some were first-class cabin passengers. Some were deckhands. The beautiful meeting place was now a place of chaos. The plush carpets were now dirty. The exquisite furniture got scratched up. So the property committee immediately had a shower built outside so victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before they came in. At the next meeting, there was a rift in the membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities. They were unpleasant and they were a hindrance to the normal fellowship activities of the members. Other members insisted that the life-saving station was the primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called as a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives of all those various kinds of people that would be shipwrecked, they could start their own life-saving station down the coast. And you know what? That's what they did. As the years passed, the new station experienced the same changes that occurred in the original. It evolved into a place to meet regularly for fellowship, committee meetings, special training sessions about their mission, but very few went out to the drowning who needed help. Drowning people were no longer welcome at the new life-saving station either. So another life-saving station was founded further down the coast. This continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that seacoast today, you will find a host of adequate meeting spaces with ample parking and nice carpet. Shipwrecks happen all the time, but most people drown. I told you that I was working toward having some real uncomfortable conversations and that I had to get my heart in a place where I knew that if I had those conversations, that I might make somebody mad, that I might make a few people upset, that whether or not they knew it, it would hurt my heart, but that if I didn't have them, I had to stand before God, and God would say, why didn't you? If I have them and they choose otherwise, no longer on me doesn't take the pain away. But it does mean that I have to, well, I can't say what I wanted to say there. Um, It does mean that I have to throw my shoulders back and grow up a little. And I have to do the same thing here. 
I want to I want to ask some really hard questions. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't nod. I don't I don't need any amens. When was the last time you brought somebody new here and they sat next to you in the worship service? When was the last time you sat down with one of your football, baseball, basketball, crocheting, knitting, jazzercise, uh, scrapbooking friends and said, hey, I, I, I wonder if you want to come to my really, really, really messy church with my really, really, really messed up preacher and, and hang out with me? Can you think of somebody in the last five years, in the last five years, can you think of somebody that you invited who showed up and their life was changed. When was the last time you had a dinner at your home or out where you, you, your, your sole focus was to, to love somebody enough to make sure that you were building a relationship with them so that they might find Jesus? Where are we on the coastline? I'm not being mean. We got to figure it out. So I'm going to ask you again. Where are we on the coastline? I mean, I'm, I'm excited, Greg. I, I know you get this. I'm, I'm, I'm super, like, uber excited about the guests here. They may or may not come back. They're like, man, this guy. But that's okay. That's okay. We, we don't want that to happen, but, well, you know, God's going to do what God's going to do, right? Here's the thing. What you want, listen to me, what you want, I, I know. I know that you want, if I said, who wants the church to grow? <laughs> Hands are going to go up everywhere. If I said, who wants people to get Jesus and who wants to have baptisms every week? Pfft, all right. Who invited somebody to get baptized? So listen to me. I love you. What you want with your lips, you're not willing to do with your life. What you want with your lips, you're not willing to do with your life. Craig, that's not fair. Why isn't it? You know the answers to the question I just asked you. Tell me to my face I'm wrong. The Bible, best place to go. Let's get, let's get there. I want to show you what, what happens when somebody finds Jesus, when somebody really reaches out to Jesus. Because you know, you know that the Bible says, go ye therefore into all the world, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, okay? Anybody disagree that that is in the scripture? Does anybody disagree that they are talking to us? Okay, then Jesus, the God who gave you life, said go, right? Cool, cool, cool. He also said, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Anybody disagree that Jesus said that? 
Cool. Does anybody disagree that the you in that is you? <laughs> All right. And here's what that means. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Here's what that means. Nicholasville, Jessamine County, Kentucky, United States, world. That, that's exactly what that means. City, country, world. So how is it that we can make any excuses that it is not our responsibility? And don't, e don't even come at me with that's what we pay you to do. Because you will get a look that, that may burn through you. Because it does not say, and the preacher will be my witness. It does not say, um, paid guy go ye therefore. All right? So we've got that. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, then what happens? What happens? I like to do compare and contrast. Y'all remember um, the story of the um, apparently uh, small-statured tax collector, right? Who runs up a tree to see Jesus while everybody else is kind of fawning over him like fanboys, right? And Jesus stops and he looks up and he's like, man, that's the only guy that went out on a limb to see me. So I'm going to be with him, pun intended, right? All right. And so Jesus goes to his house and he just loves him. He just loves him. And when Zacchaeus met Jesus and Jesus met Zacchaeus, here's what happened. Zacchaeus stood up and said, look, Lord, now, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I will pay back four times the amount. I'm so overwhelmed by your love for me. I'm so overtaken by what you would do for me. I'm so washed in this new newness of life that, that I don't just want to, to, to be with you. I want to change the world with you. I want to reconcile all of the problems that I have caused. And I don't want to just reconcile them. I want to bless people. So no matter what I have, I'm going to give four times the amount that I've stolen back. When you realize what God's done for you, you don't just go. You go with a thunder. How about the, how about, how about John 4? When there's a woman who has gone to one man, fallen in love, been used physically, been used emotionally and run away. And she's gone to another man and another man and another man and another man. And now she's with another man. And she's out in the middle of the afternoon, in the middle of the day with two 30-gallon water jugs made of stone weighting her down as she climbs the hill just outside of town to get to the well. And when she gets to the well, there's a stranger there who has not gone to the, to the Samarian McDonald's, all right, with his disciples, but he's waited there for her. And she goes, I, I, I can't give you water. And he goes, I can give you water. And she says, I don't understand. You're not like me. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm not like anyone. And she says, well, maybe, maybe um, I, 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 don't, I don't have a husband. He's like, no, 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 you got five and now you're with another one. So I kind of know what your life's like. And she's like, ah, oh, you're a prophet. And he's like, well, I'm a little more than that. And she's like, well, um, I know that Jesus, uh, they say the Messiah's there, but then they say the Messiah's there. You know, one day, you know what I wish? You know what I wish in my life? I wish one day I could just meet the Messiah. And Jesus goes, hey and when she met Jesus, 
and when she no longer was looking for love in all the wrong places, and when her heart was filled because he chose her, she left her water jar, ran back into the town, and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? And they came from the town, and they made their way toward him. This prostitute became preacher because God changed her life. Zacchaeus' life flipped upside down by Jesus. The woman at the well's life flipped upside down by Jesus. And then, then there's the guy who has uh, the demons in him. And it's not just a demon, all right? We know it's the demons because they have a name and the name is Legion. And Legion in and of itself means between 1,000 and 2,000. It's actually one of the definitions is a number. And they send these legions out into the swine who then jump off the cliff into the lake and Jesus frees this guy from the demons that he has, frees him from his complete and utter nakedness from cutting himself, from living in the cemetery, living around death, living with no life. And everybody in town gets ticked off because they lost all their ham and bacon. But Jesus is excited. Why? Because a life has been changed. And this is the one that is so strange because this guy runs to the boat and he says, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. Now, let me tell you what happens to most of us, especially you adults, when you're told no. When you want to do something and you're told no, do you know what you do? You pout. I ain't I, 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 nothing. About, you pout. No ifs, ands, or buts. Pouters. All right? And when we pout, relationships get a little bit crinkly, right? And if we don't fix the relationships, relationships get separated, right? Not this guy. Jesus says, I'm not letting you in the boat for me. He didn't even tell him what the plan was. He just says, you're not allowed to get in the boat. Why? Because Jesus knows what is best. Whether it's what you want or not want, Jesus knows what is best. You know what happened next? This guy runs into town, but he doesn't run into one town, two towns, three towns, four towns. No, he runs into what is called the Decapolis. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been, had been, used to be, once was, is not anymore, demon-possessed, asked to beg, beg to go with him and Jesus did not let him. He said, go to your people. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done and the people were amazed. The people were amazed. Ten cities changed because one life changed. And this guy, this guy, and then Ananias, different Ananias, went to the house and entered it. And he placed his hands on Saul. Saul the arrogant. Saul the politician. Saul the executioner. Saul the antagonist of every Christian story you will ever read. He was worse than most of the evil people in any movie you can imagine, except for Umbridge, maybe. <laughs> Some people caught that. You, to detest Saul, was righteous, right? I mean, literally, if you had a heart or a soul at all, there was no liking Saul. He stood over them while they stoned Stephen to death. 
Paul made it clear. Christians die. And Jesus struck him down with the light on the road. And Ananias is sent there and the Lord said, put your hands on him. So they put the hands on them. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me, these words are important, has sent me so that you might see again. You get a chance to see, to comprehend, to understand a second time. He has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me stop and handle a small theological discussion here, okay? There are some people, some places, some religions, all right, that believe that, that, that you can have God or that you can have Jesus or that you can have the Holy Spirit, but you can get them separately, okay? Like, like a dose, all right? Like, I'll get some of this here and some of this here and some of this here, all right? There are denominations, God love them, and I am not downing them, I'm simply talking through this with you, who believe that you can be saved by Jesus and then you can be covered in or baptized in or be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. God... And Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. Three community in one, all right? Achad, it is a Hebrew word. So, it is not possible for you to have Jesus in your heart and the Holy Spirit to be down the road going, hey, wait for me! Not possible. It's not biblically possible. Well then, Craig, how come people seem more spirit-filled than others? Uh, okay, how come there are some 120-pound people who are stronger than others? How come there are some 6-foot-10 people who jump higher than others? People who work hard at jumping learn to. People who work hard at shooting learn to. People who work hard at knowing God. It's not about whether or not you have the Spirit. It's whether or not you've plugged in to the Spirit that you have. There is a massive difference between not having God and not being plugged into God. I know a whole lot of people who have accepted Jesus, and I know a whole lot of them have no idea the power that is within them. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up. He was baptized. After some food, he regained his strength at once. Not after seminary. Not after sitting through small group. Not after learning to communicate better than, than I can. Not after taking courses on synagogueishness and how to preach there. All right, that is a word. Look it up. He went and preached. What did he preach? 
Theology? What did he preach? No. Jesus is the Son of God. Water's wet. The sky's blue. Women have secrets. Jesus is the Son of God. Some things are just true. All of those who heard him were astonished. All of those who heard him. Blown away by his degrees? No. Blown away by the depth of his teaching? No. Blown away that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once took life, but now I give. Who does that? Jesus. Here's my question, folks. Everybody I see in the scripture who meets Jesus and finds Jesus and loves Jesus can't help but share Jesus. What am I to assume about those who do not share Jesus? Will there be more people in this room if we don't go and get them? Put it another way. I told you it was a simple sermon. How, how many of you are willing to say it, believe that there is a heaven? Would you raise your hand for me? How many of you? It's okay if you don't. How many of you believe that there is a heaven? Okay. If there is a heaven and you believe that that is true, something else also has to be true. What is it? There's a hell. Do you know where I'm going here? There are more people in Jessamine County headed to hell then there are headed to heaven. Are you okay with that? Don't nod. Don't speak. Are you okay with that? If you are, keep doing what you're doing. If you're not, change Well, Craig, how do, I, how do I determine? How can you stand up there and say uh, there are more people going to hell? God doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, no and yes. No and yes. Hear me. Goodness does not get you into heaven. Church does not get you into heaven. Good children do not get you into heaven. Marrying a, a saved spouse does not get you into heaven. Getting into heaven is as simple as, I have Jesus in my heart, heaven. I do not have Jesus in my heart, hell. I have a relationship with Jesus, heaven. I do not have a relationship with Jesus, hell. Well, Craig, that's the most arrogant thing I've ever heard. Maybe, unless I'm right. And if I'm right, it's the most loving thing I could ever say. Question, will you be that loving? If they reject Jesus, they reject heaven. So God didn't send them anywhere. They chose. Well, Craig, nobody would choose hell. Yes, they did. 
It's as simple as this. Hey, there's a left and a right. What are you going to do? I choose right. Then you did not choose left, correct? Okay, there's a heaven and a hell. Well, I do not choose heaven. Then... I need to ask one more question before we go. I was reading a lot of reasons people don't, people don't, don't witness. I was looking up and looking up, thought I'd make a big list. But you know what all that list did for me? All that list did for me was made me mad. You know why? Because it was full of excuses. Craig, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I have all the answers to their questions. You do realize that I'm going to dismantle every one of these, Right? Uh, dis dismantle. No problem. Bring them to me. Well, Craig, you do realize that, that, that I'm not as good a communicator as you. Good. I have people all the time who tell me I talk over them. People all the time who tell me I'm intimidating. People all the time who tell me they can't get a word in edgewise. I get it. I'm sorry. I've apologized. I've told you I'm an idiot. I told you if you needed a perfect preacher, go somewhere else. I know, but I try. And if you'll tell me you need to talk and you need me to listen and you'll do that in advance, I'm really actually pretty good at it. But just like anything else, I have to prep for it. I'm still struggling in my life. Ask my wife, this happened. This happened the other day. True story. My car was out of gas, okay? My engine was going, <laughs> trying to get me around, right? I go to Kroger. Guess what's at Kroger? Yep. Cheap gas, because I spend way more. There's, the only place that gets more money than Kroger is here. I tell my wife in a text, I'm coming through the checkout line that I'm going to get gas and come home. I'm on the bypass headed from Edgewood this way when I realize I didn't get gas. So I tell myself I'm going to stop at Edder Drive. I'm at Corman's building. I'm going to turn right at Edder Drive and go to the BP. When I get to Cain's, I swing in and turn around and say, I'm going to go to Adder Drive again. When I get to McDonald's, I have to find my way across two lanes of traffic, angry, to turn in to get gas at the minute mark. I, I am, I told you my mind is messed up. Or I am S-T-R-Uggling right now. I know it. Now you know it. We're going to be messed up together. But here's the difference. You're messed up with Jesus or you're messed up without. And I just don't know how people do it. But here's what I'm sure of. I don't want to scare you out of, uh, out of hell and I don't want to scare you into heaven. 
I want to introduce you to a person who can change your life, who can make the scales fall off your eyes, who can make the lame walk and who can make the blind see, who can take mourning and turn it into dancing, who can take death and bring it back to life. And when you know him and when you love him, theology doesn't matter. Communication skills don't matter. All right, nothing matters, but Jesus has changed your life and that's all you have to do. A lady in my college, um, 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 when we had to go to chapel, when we had to go, uh, I still remember a lady preaching on the woman at the well and here was her whole thing. Here was her whole thing. I'll never forget it. If you know the story, you tell the story. If you know the story, you tell the story. If you know the story, you tell the story. So one of two things is true. You refuse to know or you refuse to tell. That's my message. but I promise you the pews cannot hold what will happen here if you choose not to want to tell, but to tell. What do I tell them? Tell them how you feel. Tell them you're good and you're bad. Be honest. Let Jesus do the rest. You plan. Jesus grows. We need outreach. They need Jesus. You have Jesus. You can't give enough of him away. That's what he told the woman at the well. I'll give you water that what? Never runs dry. There's a lot of chandeliered, carpeted buildings in this town. Do you want to be a club or do you want to be a life-saving station? I can't do it for us. Let's pray. Over and over again in my mind has been the old hymn, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. It's not our job to save. Not our job to be perfect. It's our job to tell the story. It's Jesus' job as the Holy Spirit to draw them. And then Jesus saves. And that's when, that's when we sing victory in Jesus. That's when we sing Jesus saves, Jesus saves. God, I pray that we become a place where people know that Jesus is preached, where people are excited about what God can do. Will we throw down our burdens and throw down our, our, our self-righteousness and throw down our quarrels with one another and we simply say, nobody's perfect, but Jesus saves. Go ye therefore. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Go tell. On the mountain, in the valley, in the McDonald's, in the Culver's. God, give us, give us the courage to tell, to invite, to bring, in Jesus' name. Amen.